Hey, everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, June 9th, 2013. Adam Newman has got to be the most complicated man in daytime. He's almost unrecognizable to me at this point. He calls Avery over to his condo as a friend, and... Avery saw, she mentioned that she saw a woman, a random woman, leaving his condo. So now Adam Newman is sleeping with random women? My Adam love is suffering, you guys. I do not see him the same way I saw him a year ago or two years ago. He has just become such a completely different person. And he calls Avery over because he wants someone to talk to, in part. And he, she, after she mentioned that she saw the mystery woman leaving his condo, he says, you know, sex and love are two very different things. Which is true, but they also intersect. And I feel like old Adam used to know that and appreciate that. And now he just seems to be becoming someone very different. And it's probably directly related to the fact that he's chosen to please Victor as opposed to pleasing himself and his own personal life. But he and Avery are becoming friends. I think he's trying to reach out to her. And she opened up to him completely about uh, having lost the baby with Dylan. So it was sort of revealed in that moment that both Adam and Avery have a lost child in common. It seems like everybody on the show has a lost child in common now. That's such a theme right now. Uh, very, very odd theme to have arisen. But I, I can't help but feel that even though Adam needs Avery as a friend, he also has a motive. And I'm surprised that she keeps even wanting to talk to him. I mean, he's her boss, so I assume she has to humor him on some level. But I think that Adam would love it if Avery would just go back to Dylan, start trying to fight harder for that relationship so that it would free Chelsea up so that Adam could have her back. I think that's exactly what he wants. And Avery has got to know that, but she's not going to sacrifice her life for Adam. And she tells him, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep calling me over here every time you just need to talk about Chelsea or you need a shoulder to cry on. I mean, I've got my own life too. She's trying to get things back together with Nick. And she tells Adam, you need to just walk away. It doesn't matter what your suspicions are about the baby. You need to just move on. Everything happens for a reason. Avery has this very positive outlook on life. And Adam is the opposite. And he's always been bitter. And he's even more bitter now. He's not getting what he wants. But the scene was interesting because it represented two very different philosophies. They're incredibly different people. But Adam feels slighted. He has an intuition that Chelsea's baby is his, but I think he questions himself, asking himself if, well, is it just me wishing that we're our child because we lost a child together and because he's reaching out for this life that he wanted to have or the life that he didn't have. And he mentioned to Avery that he had suspicions about the paternity and even said, 
you know, I think that it has to have crossed Dylan's mind, too, that the child could be mine. And it, I, it dawned on me that I am surprised that Dylan had never asked Chelsea before whether or not the child could have been Adam's. She was sleep. She was, she was married at the time when they slept together. So you would think that Dylan would not just take it at face value. There are so many, so very many signs that Chelsea is lying and Dylan just has his blinders on because he wants the baby too. And Chelsea and Chloe were at the coffee house this week talking about the scam that she's putting on over Dylan. And Chelsea's saying she's very firm in, you know, not wanting to tell Adam she's going to, you know, she feels guilty and she's wanting to talk to the psychic about it. And she she's just very confused about the whole thing. But Chloe and Chelsea are having a little bit of a girl talk very frank girl talk out in the open about the paternity of the child that Cher- that Chelsea is carrying where anyone can overhear and Dylan walks up and he can tell that Chelsea is feeling stressed out and Chelsea runs away. She's going to go see the psychic, but it leaves Chloe and Dylan alone together and Dylan asks Chloe, what's wrong with Chelsea? What is it? And Chloe makes up some kind of excuse, but she also sort of pushed Dylan in a direction of, you kind of need to marry her? Like, there was just some comment that she said. I can't even remember what it was, but Chloe is pushing them to get together. She had mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, that that would be the best way to solidify Dylan's place in the child's life, which, again, I don't understand how that's going to change anything. That I mean, that's not going to stop Adam from having contact with the child if the paternity is revealed, which it will be eventually down the road. But I keep thinking, what's Chloe's motive here? Why is she so insistent on keeping Chelsea from telling the truth? Because as much as Chelsea, I think, doesn't want Adam to know, deep down, I think she knows that she can't keep the secret. And I think she knows it's eventually going to come out. And I think there's a part of her that is still trying to reconcile her old life of lies with her new life of honesty. And it's the one sticking point for her. It's the one place where she hasn't been completely honest. And and she's now entering into a territory where not only is she being dishonest with Dylan, but she's becoming dishonest with herself. And she runs off to go see this psychic again because, I mean, the only reason I can think that she would want to go see the psychic is because the psychic was actually the only one who is giving her good advice, saying, you will regret not being honest with yourself and with the father of this baby. So I think there's a part of Chelsea that wants to hear that. I wish it would have come from a really good friend instead of this gross psychic. The second I saw the psychic again, I'm like, ugh, week three of the fortune teller. Really? Week three? <laughs> it's the, it, it's so stupid. And the whole time I, she's got this accent, you know, I can't even do it, but um, she keeps just telling, you know, Chelsea all of these mystical things. I keep expecting the fortune teller to break her accent, and then all of a sudden she's got a Jersey accent or something. But um, it becomes revealed in some grand twist. Ch- uh, Chelsea 
pulls it out of the fortune teller that she was hired by Adam. <laughs> it's a little too suspicious. And Chelsea says, I know who you are, just tell me who it is. And the fortune teller breaks character and says, yeah, you're right, he paid me. You know, he paid me good to, to, to do this to you. <laughs> so Adam, let me just get, make sure I got this straight. Adam <laughs> just went out, found a psychic, employed her at the state fair. <laughs> made or somehow guessed that Chelsea and Dylan were going to go there. I mean, Chelsea and Dylan went to the psychic. It wasn't that the psychic went to Chelsea and Dylan. So Adam somehow arranged for Chelsea to happen upon this fortune teller and then fed her information and tried to get her to push Chelsea toward revealing the truth. My The only thing I could think was, well, that was elaborate and unnecessarily convoluted, Right? Like, I guess it was supposed to be some big twist, but I'm sorry, YNR, that was a big bust. <laughs> it's little things, it's little cheesy things like that that take me out of the show and make me go, ugh, yuck. <laughs> you know, I don't want to feel like I'm, I, I want to feel like a soap opera is on the same level with an, like a primetime drama, and that felt immature or something to me. I, I just didn't like it, but nothing I can do about it, <laughs> unfortunately. After Chelsea finds out that Adam hired this psychic, she confronts him immediately. She runs over to his condo, and she's really, really worked up, telling him he's got to stay out of her life. He's got to let go of this idea that the child is his. If not, you know, do it for me. If you ever loved me, don't don't do this. Don't continue to pursue this. And she's so worked up that she begins having cramps. Uh, she kind of hunches over, and it's obvious that she's in pain. She tries to pass it off, telling Adam, no, I'm fine, just let me be. But it's clearly something more serious, so Adam literally picks her up and carries her out the door to the hospital. So he, uh, despite all of his feelings, obviously cares about her, obviously cares about the well-being of the baby, even though it may be, you know, it, it, the only thing keeping them apart if the Dylan thing is true, which it isn't. But um, he's at the hospital with Chelsea, and parallel to that, Dylan and Avery are having a private moment at Dylan's new warehouse house, which I do like the set of, by the way. It's um, kind of industrial looking, but it looks nice at night. Um, so Dylan and Avery are having this talk, and Dylan is saying that he feels scared that what happened with their child, Dylan and Avery's child, the miscarriage, is going to happen with with Chelsea. And just as he's revealing this um, vulnerability, Dylan gets a phone call from Adam, and it's Adam telling Dylan to come to the hospital because Chelsea's there. And it, it was... Um, Hard for Dylan to see her like that. Obviously, this is a sore spot for him. And he wonders, though, why was Chelsea with Adam? Why was Adam the one that was with you at this time? And why is Adam sort of out in the hallway playing the role of the concerned father, if I'm the father? And Dylan, for the first time, lightly asks Chelsea if there's any chance that the baby could be Adam's. And she... Plays it off so quick. I'm fine. The baby's fine. There's just no way. Adam, you know, Adam just wants it to be his baby, but it's not true. And she's able to 
again, sort of worm her way out of telling the truth, pull the wool over Dylan's eyes even further, and he she gets released from the hospital. They go back to his house where she stays the night, and they're starting to fall in love with one another. Uh, they wake up the next morning, they have a morning kiss, like she's, they, he, he didn't even have a bed in this apartment. He slept on the floor and she just sort of used his chest as a pillow and they're really becoming dependent on one another. I mean, Dylan is really the perfect mark. He is loving, he is doting, he's concerned, he's good looking, he's got all of the qualities, only it's all based on a complete lie. And I can't seem to get around that. Um, the next morning, at uh, Chelsea goes to work, and Dylan has sent her this basket of goodies. It's got, I don't know, bath salts and massage oils and all this really, really nice stuff. Dylan is the ideal man, and he's really taking care of her. And then the next, uh, or later that night, she goes back over to his house, and now suddenly he's got a pull-out couch that they can sleep over, and he gets her a pillow over own and they're just becoming so cozy cozy <laughs> and it's I, I don't understand how she can't feel horribly guilty but it it seems to be that her overarching feeling now is well I'm falling in love with Dylan now so that makes it okay I'm just you know if I, she's again she's began to tell the lie to herself and my problem with it is if you are falling in love with Dylan, how can you do this to him? How can you let him think that this child is his and him put all of this love and affection and doting onto you when it's just all a lie? I, I mean, Chelsea is not the victim here. How did she become the victim here? She got involved with Adam with full consciousness. She knew who Adam was. She not only dated him, had sex with him, she married him. And so now she's pregnant with his child and suddenly she doesn't like who he is, so the lie is okay? Why am I supposed to want Dylan and Chelsea together? Because it feels like the show is very Dylan and Chelsea focused. <laughs> it feels like the the writers, they want us to love this couple. Dylan is such a great guy. They've been building him up as the world's greatest guy from the moment he walked on the show. And so <laughs> I, 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 I can't understand why I would want him to get lied to. If the Chelsea and Dylan romance were just happening and there wasn't this this giant elephant in the room, then that would be one thing. But it feels like YNR is trying to make us love them. Chelsea is now, um, she's, she's decided that she's wanting to name the baby Emily. Was it a girl? Did they even find out that it was a girl? I don't even remember. <laughs> but apparently, she wants to name the child Emily, and instead of giving the child her last name, she wants to give it Dylan's last name. It, it's so subconscious that she is manipulating. You know, it's not a big, obvious manipulation. I think it's fluid. It's almost within her being. You know, let's give the child his last name. Oh, it's forcing more of a connection with him. If if Dylan and the baby are truly a father and daughter, then it makes the lie more true, and, it, and Adam won't be able to come in between us. And, and if I fall in love with him, then it makes it more real. And it's all just become, for me... 
almost too cutesy cutesy. I mean, it's every single moment, Dylan and Chelsea and her wide eyes and him being a little quirky. I mean, it feels to me like the cutesy cutesy becomes pukey pukey after a while. Maybe it's just me. I can appreciate a slow quirky romance just as good as the next guy but I feel like the show in general I mean this couple specifically but the show in general is lacking in in fire right now and that's what I want to see quirky has its place of course but it's the raw passion that keeps me intrigued and keeps me coming back to the show. And the Dylan character is now, they've cast someone to be his friend. And, like, it's so Dylan-centric right now. And I feel like the character has jumped the shark a little bit for me. Like, my mom has watched General Hospital on and off for a really long time, but never YNR. She knows I've been watching YNR for 20 years. I don't think she's ever really watched a full episode. And she tells me the other day that she turned into, tuned into YNR for like the first time in, in forever because she wanted to see Jason on the show because he's, was, he's a longtime General Hospital character. She wanted to see him again, so she turns to YNR and she actually said to me, geez, they've really wimped him up. I didn't say anything. We don't even talk about YNR. She, like, so there, she didn't know. But, like, her first impression was they've really whimped him up. And I can't disagree. It's like when Adam was with Chelsea, he was way too delicate and way too schmoopy, schmoopy. And I think the same reasons that I'm not feeling the Dylan and Chelsea relationship are kind of, well, besides the lie, but it's kind of the same reasons that I never have felt Adam and Chelsea's relationship, it just doesn't, I don't want, uh, the, 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 the soupiness just gets on my nerves after a while. I mean, Dylan and Chelsea, Adam and Chelsea, what is it about Chelsea that turns men to mush? Newman Enterprises is back in private Newman hands, and Victor suggests a party at Adam's condo to celebrate this. I don't know why Victor didn't throw the, the party. He sort of forced Adam into uh, to planning the party. I guess it, it seems like... Victor wants to make it look like Adam is making overtures toward toward the rest of the family, but it's totally at Victor's behest. And they invite everyone over to make the big announcement that the company's back. When, by the way, Victoria and Nick and Abby should feel so guilty about the fact that uh, they took all that money from Victor. I never agreed with that lawsuit. Um, that's what forced Newman to go public in the first place. But um, it's official. It's back in Newman hands. There was this legal assistant who came in on Avery's behalf to deliver the final papers uh, before the party. It was at Victor's and Victor slash Adam's office. And Victor immediately started treating this girl really poorly. He was like, uh, oh, and why couldn't Avery deliver these papers on her own? 
Well, uh, you know, I guess I can kind of understand. It's a major deal. He wanted the lawyer to deliver them in person. I guess I can kind of see that. But Victor was being unnecessarily rude to this poor girl. Adam, not so much. He's got his eye on the ladies. If you're a female and in Adam's sight, apparently now it's your fair game. Adam ended up inviting this girl to the family party. You brought a random girl that you just met to a family party where there were intimate moments. There was relationships happening. I don't know how she didn't feel completely awkward. And I guess there was supposed to be some implication that maybe she looked a little bit like Chelsea. I don't know. It's It was weird. Uh, Victor, I think, was very thrown off by it. I mean, nobody really even acknowledged. <laughs> it's like everything's going on with this random girl in the room and none of the rest of the family even acknowledged, like, hey, who's that? <laughs> but it's like Victor is telling Adam to get out there and date and get a life. But Victor's never, ever going to agree, to agree with Adam's choices. It would have to, Victor would have to handpick a woman to, in, or, in order to be happy uh, with who Adam chooses. And I don't know why Adam is going along with what Victor wants anyway. I guess the subtext here is that Victor and Adam's feud still lives. They still seem to be playing each other, but I don't know how. I don't understand exactly what's going on, and I don't feel like there's been a whole lot of clues. Like, the father-son bonding thing is apparently just a front, and so was Victoria and Nick's show of support. That was a front as well. Both Victoria and Nick show up at the party out of obligation, but no one likes Adam, and they surely don't trust him, and they probably should not trust him. The company is back in private Newman hands, but it also seems like only the beginning of a larger plan of Adam's. Uh, there still is the issue of... The money. Where did the money come from to buy the company back? Adam had some kind of mystery backer that he wouldn't reveal. And just as Nick, uh, Nikki and Victor were leaving the party, Nikki even mentioned that Adam always seems to be plotting something. And Victor told her, you know, he's totally aware. Like, it doesn't matter what Adam thinks, I'm completely aware of his plan. I know exactly what he's doing. You know, he he is maybe a step ahead of Adam. I'm not sure. But after everybody had left, we saw Adam alone in the condo taking a phone call from someone saying, yes, it's all going according to plan. So what is the end game here, Adam? You're going to, you've now financed the company with, I guess, part your money, part Victor's money, and part mystery person's money. And who's it now? Who's it going to be? Adam and Jack have been developing a friendship. So could it be Jack? Or I also read an update that Tucker is coming back onto the show permanently as a recast, by the way, not with Stephen Nichols. He's, I guess, unavailable to play the role, but we're also sort of forecasting a little bit forward toward uh, Catherine's death and funeral, and I, Tucker's going to have to be involved in that, presumably in some way, but so it, it seems as if they're bringing Tucker back for that, but I wonder if... Whoever it was on the phone, I wonder if they were just planting that little Easter egg for Tucker's return and Tucker's involvement. I don't know. Who else could it be? I kind of like Sharon's therapist. <laughs>
I think we need to bring her on for some more scenes. I like the way she talks. I like the way she holds herself. She just seems very real. She seems like somebody you'd know. And uh, she just gives me a very no-nonsense kind of vibe. And I like her a lot. Sharon was at the coffee house this week calling Nick on the phone, leaving him a voice message, trying to be there for him, trying to comfort him, trying to be a friend. She is subconsciously wondering if Summer's paternity turns out to be that, sh- that Summer's Jack's child. What could that mean for, uh, for, for, Nick, for her and Nick and their relationship? And the therapist overhears her and confronts her. The therapist said to her last week, Stay out of it. You're not You're not doing this for Nick. Let's face the fact that you're doing this for yourself. And now I come in and see you calling him. And yes, they share a child together. But there is something going on kind of underneath the surface that the therapist is picking up on. And she told Sharon, I think we need to up our appointments, schedule an extra appointment, because obviously we're spending time together, but you're not taking my advice. Why see me? And then not take my advice. I think that Sharon wants to be involved with Nick again as a connection to her past. And at the same time, I think she wants to be involved with Adam again as a a, a possible hope for the future. But Sharon sees Adam at the athletic club having lunch with that legal assistant and she corners him in the hallway and she starts to push his buttons talking about how Chelsea is moved on and she was getting really lippy with him and really bold with him and she was just pushing his buttons so Adam pushed her up against the wall out of nowhere and just planted a in, an intense kiss on her. It was I it was incredible. I saw that and I was like, finally some heat. <laughs> I I mean, I'm not saying I think Adam and Sharon are good for each other, but it was unexpected and just ooh, dirty. <laughs> That scene had my jaw dropped. To, to be entirely honest with you, I watched all of this week's shows. That was the only scene where I went, oh, oh. <laughs> there was something to that. But then it quickly went away because when he was done kissing her, he grabbed her by the face in kind of a forceful way. And he said something like, I'm not the one who's having trouble moving on. Sort of, I guess, implying that the only reason she's saying these things is because she really wants him. Ugh, just that, the kiss, I was like, ooh, and then immediately the whole thing was dashed. Sharon looked like she, I mean, she, I felt the same as her. Honestly, the look on her face was just, she was breathless. Like, it it gave her something and then quickly drained it right out of her. It was so hot, but at the same time, it was all, the the grabbing her face and saying that line, um, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the one who's having trouble moving on, to me seemed so macho and so domineering and arrogant of Adam. 
Like, I'm so good and you can't have me, but you want me and I'm not going to give it to you kind of thing. And it it made me feel sick a little bit afterward. I know how Sharon must have felt because it was like, ooh, and then ugh, I immediately felt ill. Adam is such a jerk to her now. And unfortunately, I feel a little bit like, well, more than a little, I feel like the original reasons why I loved Adam are kind of fading away as a result of how he's treated Sharon. Like, he was always the misunderstood bad boy. Like, yeah, he did bad things, but he just wanted to be loved. (laughs) But after the way he treated Sharon, it's, it's becoming harder for me to love him. Like, she was supposed to be the love of his life, and he just used her like a paper towel. You know, he drew her in, made her think there was hope, and then as soon as he changed his mind, he just threw her out. And it wasn't even as simple as him choosing Victor over everyone. I honestly think he's done with her. I think that's how he feels. I think he feels like he's over her. And I don't know why. I just feel, it feels like a giant betrayal to me. I mean, Sharon is no angel by any means, but she deserved better than that. So I'm sorry, Adam, but you're officially off my love list. Nick and Phyllis had some kind of nice moments together this week, just having dinner and sort of reflecting on their relationship and supporting each other for where they are in their separate relationships now. And it it was nice to see them connecting a little bit, becoming friends. I think Phyllis is always going to have an ulterior motive where Nick is concerned. I think Nick is her true love. I think Nick is the one. He's the one. He's the one that she wants. And after Phyllis leaves, Avery comes by. And I guess it was on the heels of Chelsea's pregnancy scare. She came over to Nick and she finally got around to telling him about the child that she lost with Dylan, which I think explains a lot. I would have thought that she should have told him before. It makes it understandable as to why she felt this connection with Dylan. And Nick was in the dark about that. He was okay with it. He said, that's all right. You told me when you were ready to tell me. But obviously, in in real life, I demand complete and total honesty. <laughs> that's just who I am and how I am. That doesn't necessarily mean that's what I want to watch on a soap. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Personally, I, I would have wanted her to tell me before. But it reconnected Avery and Nick a little bit. And then... Avery and Phyllis ran into each other, and Phyllis started rubbing it in. Whether she meant to or not, and I think she did, she told Avery all about the dinner they had together, and she just wanted to twist that knife a little bit, and then she throws Avery a bone about, you know, potentially being able to become sisters again. So, I don't know, I think that... I don't think Avery and Nick are going to make it. Uh, He takes her to the big Newman Enterprises announcement party at Adam's house, and he decides that he's going to announce his engagement to her. He just out of the blue says, I have an announcement. I, Avery and I are getting married. (laughs) And she looks over at him like, 
really? What was that all about? You're there in front of Victor Newman and Nikki and everyone, and you're not going to turn around and be like, uh, what, honey? <laughs> but then... After the commercial break, he he says, oh, well, maybe I should renounce or maybe I should rephrase that. Uh, uh, I would like to propose to Avery. It completely threw her off. And she said, yes, of course. So Nick and Avery are trying to get themselves back on track. Uh, prompted by the conversation between Nick and Phyllis, Phyllis goes back to Jack, and she looked wonderful, by the way. Loved what Phyllis was wearing in that final scene between her and Jack, uh, telling him, you know what, I don't want to wait. It's silly for me to wait. I want to be with you, so she's moving back in. I mean, how many times has she moved out and back in and in and out? She's in and out of Jack's life. That's exactly why people think that she's not good for him. I mean, say what you will about Phyllis and Nick, but she she never did that to Nick. I mean, for the most part, she knew she wanted him that's she, she, and she wasn't wishy-washy about it she is wishy-washy about her relationship with Jack and that makes it harder for me to want them to last of course with Michelle Stafford leaving the show we know that 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 it won't last so in a way we're kind of being reset back to two months ago with Phyllis and Jack together and Nick and Avery together but I don't think either of those couples are gonna last Victoria doesn't quite know what to do with herself. If she's not a businesswoman, she has to be the mom. And I think Victoria's not quite the stay-at-home type. I think she has her own ambitions, and it's not something that just can be turned off. And maybe in some ways that, that was being misplaced onto the whole Adam and Newman Enterprises struggle for power situation. But Nikki came over to Victoria's house this week, and she mentioned... Victoria's artistic ability. They were drawing with Johnny and, you know, Nikki said, well, you're just like your mother. You have great artistic ability. And I kind of forgot about that side of Victoria, that she was an artist. She at least collected and, um, you know, it was implied that she painted and she went off to where would she go for a while? Italy or something? She was gone. When they recast the character, she was gone for a long time, kind of being involved in the art world. So that's a Victoria that we haven't seen in a long time. And when Nikki mentioned that, first of all, I thought, Nikki knows her daughter. That's good. Nikki's getting in there and doing what needs to be done, uh, giving some positive t- vibes to Victoria. But I also thought, gosh, wouldn't it be so cool to see, like, a funky Victoria? I know she's a mom, and that's great, but there's no reason she can't maybe get involved in the art scene and just be something other than um, so uptight. I think her default uh, setting is uptight, and in the past, Billy was able to bring that funkiness out of her, and now that they're drifting apart, it's more difficult to see that. She's focused solely on the kids, and I don't think she has that thing that driving force, that thing that kind of keeps her moving and keeps her um, in touch with who she is as an individual. And then Nikki said, well, maybe you could write a children's book and you could write it and illustrate it. You're both a writer and an artist. And I was a little bit disappointed because a children's book isn't exactly what I had in mind. (laughs) I was hoping for something a little more exciting, but and I think that might be something that ends up panning out. Nikki goes um, to have lunch with Tracy, which was an interesting little um, uh, pairing of the two these two ladies. And uh, as we know, Tracy is an author, and she's going to talk to some people about um, possibly publishing a children's book of Victoria's that she hasn't written yet. <laughs> 
But whatever, I think that would be really good for Victoria. Billy, on the other hand, is flirting with disaster. He, you know, he's trying to schedule a... He's already in debt. He's already gambled more than he should have. He's on a losing streak. He's trying to find scheduled games, and if he can't find scheduled games, he's now gambling online. That has got to be a new... That's got to be a low on the addiction scale. Like, that's got to be, like, making the switch from cocaine to just, like, freebase and crack or something. Uh, online gambling has got to be, like, crack because it's always at your fingertips. You can always do it. You can lose way more money that way. So he's really gotten into the seedy part of it now. And... <laughs> Dylan comes into On the Boulevard this week and even mentions to Dylan, I think very um, uh, haplessly, but or Dylan mentions to, to Billy, you know, some nights I come in here and I think we're making a ton of money and then I take a look at the drawer and there's not very much in it. It's almost like someone's stealing money from the restaurant. Yeah, it's the boss. He's taking money out of the drawer anytime he wants to gamble it away. And he's going to run that restaurant into the ground, but... The more problematic thing, I guess, is his marriage. Victoria is on to him. She keeps overhearing him. She overheard him on a phone call trying to schedule the a, a, a game to be on. And um, I guess she found a poker chip a few weeks ago. And I guess she just thought nothing of it. Or I don't know. But then she overheard him again on a phone call. And it almost sounded like he was scheduling an affair, like when to meet with somebody. So she confronted him about that. Like, are you having an affair? And he was just like, no, give me a break. And But she knows like something off of it with him. I don't know if she knows exactly what he's up to, but she knows it ain't right. Tracy's been in town kind of getting butted up into everybody else's life. And finally, Abby said this week, you know, is, is that what it's really about? Or are you having some problems of your own? And Tracy said, yeah, to be honest with you, Steve and I are on the rocks, and she said it's you know, kind of related to having lost a child, Colleen, together. So here we are, another another couple being pulled apart by the loss of a child. Can we just count really quick? Okay, who's lost a child together? Adam and Chelsea, Dylan and Avery, Nick and Sharon, Tracy and Steve. Uh, are there any others? Because it's just like, wow, this is an incredible theme right now. But... Anyway, that was a sidetrack. Tracy is, she doesn't really know what to do with herself. Jack and Billy don't want her living with them. So she is moved in with Abby. I guess that means maybe Tracy's going to be staying around for a little while. Maybe she'll get involved in the children's book thing. I don't know. The main point I wanted to make here, I know that we haven't seen that much of new Abby, but she's starting to come onto the scene a little bit more, and I just feel like the new Abby is bland. She just feels totally unoriginal to me, and it's not even that, I mean, in any other place, she's obviously beautiful. I'm sure she has a brain in her head, but at the same time, there just feels like there's way too many kind of blandish characters on the show for me right now. I need someone to stand out, to like really, like, drag me in and be 
compelling, and she's definitely not it. It's a, That's a really hard recast. I hate that we lost the original actress because she she was cool in every scene. Like, she made it her own. I mean, you're always going to get lines, whatever lines you're going to get. You have to find a way, I think, to make it your own, make it original, and I'm just not feeling that right now. I'm not feeling Alex and Abby. Is anyone... If you are feeling Alex and Abby, please, please, you've got to let me know because so I can't, I can't understand it at all. I need, I need that other perspective because to me, I think Alex is so deserving of so much better. <laughs> Lionar has done pretty much nothing with, with him and that is also um, irritating. But he's like, Abby, and the last few scenes that he's been with Abby, he's been interrupted by phone calls. So I'm kind of hoping that Abby decides that dating a cop isn't quite her style and maybe that couple gets broken up because I feel like Alex needs to be freed up to be with someone who's a flavor other than vanilla. So Kevin got off of his last burglary charge easy because his brother is Michael. And he got off with community service and then he has the nerve to skip community service? He is such a brat right now. And Alex tells him, uh, if you keep showing up late, if you keep skipping your community service here at the police station, I'm going to throw you in jail. I don't care if you like it or not, you're going to jail. And it sort of turned into this thing where Kevin's like, why are you writing me? And Alex is like, I'm trying to help you. From what I can tell, you have a really nice family, and I'd like for that not to get destroyed for you. And I like that Alex turned it into, I want to help you, you little twerp. Uh, and it also almost seemed like... He had concern for Chloe as well. Like, Alex has a soft spot for them for some reason. And it was an interesting connection that they almost made. And then new Abby came in and bored me. And I was totally out of the moment. Uh, Kevin and Chloe, they have finalized the sale of the coffee house this week. It's gone to Dylan. And as I was kind of not hoping for, he's already planning a remodel. He's already planning to give it a new name. I heard from a lot of people last week that kind of said they felt similarly. I don't want to be like the Luddite that's lying in front of the machinery of progress. Like, I don't want to be such, so stuck in my uh, conservative YNR ways or something. Or like, I, I don't want to be one of those people that always has to cling to the past and be like, I want things to be a certain way. But at the same time, with, like... We got the new writers and the new people, and the show changed. Everybody can see it. The show changed. And I, within the span of a year, within the span of six months, so much has changed. Almost none of the sets look the way that they used to. And again, I don't want to be a clinger, but it bothers me that now Dylan, like Dylan owns everything. Now he's got his own set for his apartment and now he's going to rip up Crimson Lights and make it a different place. It's, he sounds like he wants to still make it a coffee house. So why would you change the name? Why would you, I mean, okay, yeah, give it a facelift, I guess. But why would you bother to change the name? It's just, I feel like some things could maybe be preserved for history. I, I, I feel a little resentful that the new stuff is all going toward Dylan, all this focus is going toward new characters, and now, you know, the coffee house just, 
it kind of was Y&R. It is Y&R. And I felt the same way about the ranch. And it kind of ticks me off. Like, they're doing this to our, you know, I feel, I'm taking it a little personally. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know if it's, it's maybe I'm uh, being unnecessarily hostile about that. But it, it does kind of bother me. So, Crimson Lights, goodbye. You might as well just kiss it goodbye right now. Because it's, it's going. Um, and just because Dil- we're supposed to love Dylan so much, I'm just supposed to accept that. So, I guess I will. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sounding bitter. Anyway, we actually had the first kind of sort of cute scene between Chloe and Kevin in forever this week. She is really happy about her career, and she had this funny little I'm a celebrity daydream where her and Kevin are walking down the carpet, and people are asking what designer she's wearing, and she's so uh, totally excited in her moment that she, like, throws up her hands and accidentally smacks Kevin in the forehead, which is very representative of, you know, what's going on in their relationship. She's trying to move forward in a positive way way and he's just getting kind of smacked on the sideline and so she has to stop herself like she's she's moving ahead on this train and she's feeling like she has to stop and kind of baby him and sort of push him along in the same direction or, or in a similar direction for himself Chel- or, uh, Chloe's trying to better herself and Kevin doesn't want to put in that effort so Chloe creates this alternate dream where Kevin is the star and he's the, created this new amazing technology called Hacktastica Oh, that was lame, but <laughs> it was kind of cute, I guess. Um, they're now saying goodbye to Crimson Lights, packing up all of their stuff, and um, she tells him, you need to dream a dream of your own. Dream a dream that's you. It doesn't have to be just me, but you need to have some potential, Kevin. And so what does he do? He dreams a Bonnie and Clyde type scenario where they're robbing places. Kevin, ugh, he is so gross right now. He, commits another burglary this week, just when you think maybe he can get it together, all of a sudden he shows up at Crimson Lights, which he doesn't own anymore, with a wad of diamonds stuffed into his pocket. And he, I think, is trying to rationalize that he's doing this for Chloe. I gotta keep her in diamonds, you know. But he's doing it for himself. Kevin has no identity at all anymore. He apparently thinks he's too good to go get a job, and he doesn't know what to do with himself. When Lily and Tyler walked into the surprise birthday party that Kane was throwing at Lily and Kane's house, the silence in the room was deafening. Lily was obviously drunk, not really supposed to be with Tyler out drinking when your husband's throwing you a birthday party. Oh, everyone in the room was trying to make like it wasn't wholly awkward, but it was. And Lily seemed kind of oblivious to the fact that maybe she did something wrong. And when the party waned, I thought, ooh, Kane's going to say something to her. He's going to rip her a new one. He's at least going to be like, what were you doing? And he didn't. He really didn't even mention it. He sort of let that one slide. He's being pretty patient. And then, I guess it was the next day, Lily's looking online and someone sends her an uh, an email, a copy of an article that has been published from Neil's diary, his blog diary, and it's all about her. And it's all about her infidelity. That It, it basically says, you know, that she uh, doesn't want 
reality of a relationship. She wants the dream of a relationship and just really negative things about Lily in general and and things that I would think would make Kane a little bit paranoid. Basically that Lily is someone who is uh, not uh, not faithful in her relationships and she's shocked to see this. She goes to Neil and they all go down to the police station. Lily is pissed beyond belief at her father. She didn't know any of this was going on, that his private thoughts were being published anywhere. And I've never seen her talk to him like that before. She was so, so mad at him. And they're at the police station. Kevin's there hacking away and trying to reveal information about who could be doing this and where it's coming from. And I mean, apparently it's all connected to somebody who is doing things under Neil's corporation name, or at least leaving that as a clue, I don't know, but whoever published the article did so at a local IP at the Genoa City Athletic Club. So they're getting a list of all of the people, employees and guests, that would have access to a a public computer room at the, the GCAC, and I'm just, I don't know who it could be. I feel just lost. Like, I need a better clue. Why don't I just got to give me something to go on? Because I, I don't know. I mean, we all know that Tyler was staying there. It's got to be a third party. Like, because there's almost like an implication that maybe Tyler did it. But I just don't see why he would have a motive. So it's got to be this Rose person or something. I'm just totally lost. I don't know. Why don't you got to give me something? And soon, give me something to go on next week, okay? <laughs> By the way, Tyler is totally out of the GCAC. He's got his own apartment with Noah. It was weird how it came apart about, too, because they met these two girls, and they go to their apartment, and the girls are like, huh, we're graduating, you can just take the apartment, but first maybe we can make out. Like, it was a weird, like, double make-out proposal. Like, who wants to make, I don't know, I don't know, who wants to make out? <laughs> simultaneously just like oh we met these two girls let's just make out in the same room ew it was weird but they got an apartment out of it (laughs) so they're living together maybe there'll be some interesting scenes out of that tyler gets way more airtime than noah does i mean what is noah even doing just still bartending what happened to the underground if you're gonna you know they go and they build all these new sets and then they don't do anything with them who cares about the dang dark underground i mean i'm 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 shivering to know what they're gonna do with crimson lights but if you want to build a new set build a new set why you gotta tear down the old ones why couldn't Dylan have bought some other place. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't get over it. I need to just stop. (laughs) I don't know what's up with Noah. Um, All I know is that Tyler is having some issues. Like, Lily has been taken off of the Jabot campaign, and now Tyler is working with Devon, and Devon is making it real hard on Tyler. Devon and Tyler are not a match made in heaven. They are not getting along. (laughs) Clearly, Devon wants to boot Tyler off the campaign, and effectively boot them out of their lives. Devon doesn't like Tyler's involvement with Lily, doesn't like the way Tyler looks at Lily, doesn't like that Lily is possibly reciprocating. So Devon wants to step on Tyler's toes and make him leave. So Devon's making all these changes to the campaign, and it's getting real awkward between them. I mean, if Tyler was so willing to quit the job for Lily, I can't imagine that he's going to stay there and deal with Devon's attitude much longer.
summer's graduation. Her high school graduation is going to be next week, and I assume also that's going to coincide with the paternity test results. It was a preview from Monday's show, I think, that showed Nick uh, all dressed up, probably, in his graduation clothes, uh, and he sees the results of the paternity test having been delivered to his house. (laughs) Meanwhile... Summer thinks that Kyle is just going to rip off her cap and gown after the graduation and then make sweet, sweet love to her. She has a friend, or a friend suggests that she goes to the doctor. They go to the doctor together and get Summer on birth control pills, which, by the way, take like 30 days to go into effect. (laughs) But I kind of have a feeling that... um, uh, that Myanmar is just was just showing us that scene so that even if Summer and Kyle are related and they sleep together, that there's not going to be a bunch of speculation about an incest baby. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Summer, she bugs me. <laughs> she bugs me a little bit. Tyler mentioned, uh, well, Summer was badgering Noah to move in with them this week. She wants to get out of the house, and she wants to live on her own, and uh, Noah mentioned that to Tyler, and Tyler said, Summer seems to be a little bit, like, unaware. She is a model for this new line that we're launching, and she's going to have so much money and so much attention as soon as this whole thing launches. Her face is going to be on billboards. And there was something about that idea that bothered me a little bit. Like, I don't think that Summer deserves all of this positive attention that she's about to get. She's such a brat. And she's totally reckless on every level. And it never comes back around. What goes around never comes back around to Summer. So, I don't know, am I the only one who's kind of looking forward to this paternity reveal just so that we can see some horror on Summer's face? At the beginning of the week, Michael had decided to leave Lauren, and he was at the athletic club checking in with his bags, and he ended up having a funny interaction with Gloria. I I thought it was funny anyway. Gloria found out that they were separating, and she naturally assumed that Michael had done something wrong, and Michael had to tell her, like, twice. She's, like, babbling on. Michael had to tell her twice, I wasn't the one who strayed. It was Lauren. And Gloria's face was totally shocked, furthermore, to find out that Lauren was having the affair with Carmine Basco. Gloria's the one who hired Carmine in the first place, the one who kind of let him stay in town. And Gloria, she's so, she goes whichever way the wind is blowing, because she was so upset with Lauren that she kind of implied that Lauren was a whore, just like, oh, you know, how dare she, how could she do that to you? And Michael defended Lauren right off the bat. He's like, don't talk about her like that. You know, she's still my wife. So... Michael does still have feelings for her, and even though Lauren wronged him, he it's, it's not enough to make him not see the kind of person that she is overall on the whole. So Lauren is back at the apartment alone, and Carmine shows up again. It doesn't matter that she's told him to stay away. He shows up again. And he thinks that it's going to make some kind of difference that he wants to tell her that he's in love with her.
The time they shared together was so special to him, and he's in love with her. And Lauren seems shocked by this. <laughs> he says, you know, why, I didn't tell you before because I just didn't, you know, I didn't th think it was appropriate. I didn't think I had to. Uh, but, you know, now I want you to know. And she, I, I think, feels responsible for pushing him away and then pulling him back and maybe giving him the wrong idea. But here's where she's going to be clear. She tells Carmine, and in fact, uh, she tells him with no hesitation in her voice, she tells him very bluntly, for the millionth freaking time, that she wants to be with her husband. I, you know, I'm, I'm probably flattering that you feel that you love me, but I choose Michael. In fact, her exact words to Carmine were, leave and never come back. How much more clear could she be? Michael ends up, after Gloria leaves, having another conversation. And this time, it's with Phyllis. And Phyllis really dug in deep. She did what she told Lauren she was going to do. She told Michael to give it another chance. If you still love Lauren, if you still want this relationship, you need to hold on and let it go and never look back. And in real life, honestly, if I were Michael, I wouldn't go back to her. That's who I am. That's who Allie is. I don't accept uh, infidelity. If someone is, if someone fools me, you know, it's not, it, it's not even the affair. It's that she repeatedly, repeatedly lied to him. Michael's no angel, but Michael's never done anything wrong to Lauren. Name me one time when Michael did anything wrong specifically to Lauren. They had a disagreement over what happened with Finn, and they both took different sides, but Michael never lied to her face. He never deceived her, and she did. And if it were me, I wouldn't go back to her. Now, in soap world, <laughs> that's not very interesting. If everyone did exactly what I would do, then it would be a really boring show. <laughs> so in the terms of soap world, yes, I would like to see them reunite. I would like to see them get back to where they were. I would like it if that the whole affair with Carmine never happened, <laughs> personally. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. Um, <sighs> Michael comes back with his bags, and Lauren is shocked to see that the conversation with Phyllis has worked. Michael decides that he's going to give it 30 days. It's 30 days. They're going to see where they are, if they still want a divorce, if they still want to be together. I'm just worried that the Carmine, the Carmine situation is escalating at a far greater rate than Michael and Lauren's reconnecting. And I think that's going to get in their way. In fact, I think Carmine is going to make sure of it. He's got this weird, weird connection with Finn. And he's got Finn even thinking that he doesn't want his parents back together. Michael is back in the house. Fenn should be happy that maybe his parents are getting back together, and Fenn's not happy about it. And he feels um, betrayed, I think, by his parents. He wants to know the truth. He wants to understand what went wrong in their relationship, because otherwise he just assumes that it's him, and that's becoming part of his social problems. So they, I think, I understand why they don't want to tell their son exactly what happened, but it's also creating more and more of a problem. Um, Carmine is so gross. <laughs> he is so, so gross. After Lauren told him to go away, he sends her a box of chocolate-covered strawberries. 
what part of leave and never come back, I want to be with my husband, don't you understand? She immediately takes the box, she goes to Carmine, and she says, this has to stop. And he's just, oh, well, I just wanted to tell you, you know, he's always got an excuse. And it just, he comes off as being so sweet and just caring that she doesn't rip into him. And it's time. It's time to start putting the foot down hard. She has to now come home and explain to Michael where she was. He says, where were you? And she's like, you're not going to like it, but I want to be honest with you. I was with Carmine. I think she should have cushioned that a little bit, but she says, I was with him. He sent me. In fact, she went into details that I wouldn't have gone into. Michael's like, tell me everything. And she said, well... When we were off on one of our vacations, we had chocolate-covered strawberries. And so he sent me a box of chocolate-covered strawberries. <laughs> and Michael, you could tell he was just grinning his teeth like through that. I, You know, there is, there is, you know, honesty. And then there's like, did you have to tell him, like, did you have to paint that picture for him? But he asked for it. Michael wants to know the complete truth now. Doesn't want any lies to be between them. I mean, I probably would have just said, Carmine came over again and he sent me something and I'm just over it. So I went and took back the gift. That's what I would have said. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone into the dirty details of exactly what they did in the bed. But I think she did the right thing. Absolutely 100%. Lauren did the right thing by being honest with him. Michael appreciated it and said, if we have any hope at all of getting back together or repairing our relationship... That's exactly what we need. We need that kind of honesty. And so I was proud of her of that for that. Um, now, meanwhile, Finn goes off to the athletic club and sees Carmine bartending there. And Carmine's obviously very upset after this conversation with Lauren. And Finn says, hey, you know, you, I tell you all about my problems. Why don't you tell me about your problems? And so Carmine does. He goes into detail sort of about like where his head is in this relationship with this woman. And he's not giving up. And the whole time he's just talking about like, you know, she, she wants it. Or, you know, that whole mentality. She really wants it. Um, but she's, you know, she, she's gone back to her man. But she's done that many times. And it's just like the whole time I'm like, you're talking about this kid's mother. <sighs> This guy needs to die. Okay, my podcast friends. I think that's just about it for YNR Chat for this week. But I really hope that you're enjoying the show. I know I've got my issues with it right now, but I am hoping that it comes back around. I guess... I feel like I want to see more of my classic characters. The show seems very, very focused on new characters right now. Dylan, Chelsea, Tyler, Leslie. I want to see some of my core characters. I want to get some drama and some passion. And, you know, it feels a little lax on that at the moment. But I know it'll come back, and I'm looking forward to it. So what do you think? What do you guys think about all of this stuff? You can... Leave me a comment and, and give me all of your theories and your impressions. I always love hearing from you. You can call in and leave me a voicemail if that's your preferred method. It's pretty easy, I would think. Um, the telephone number is 309-588-4569. That's within the U.S., so don't forget it's country code 1. 
Or you can go to my blog. You can leave a comment. Just scroll down to the posting for this week's podcast and you can leave a comment in that box. You can also see the video part of the, um, like our simultaneously record video and audio. So if you want to see that, you can go to my blog at yrchatblog.blogspot.com or you can always just send me a regular old email to yrchat at live.com. However you choose. I do love hearing from you. You guys are the best. So please don't be shy. Okay. I think that's it. Everybody have a good week. I love you and I'll see you next time. Bye.